opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right. Good morning, KCB and ACB Media One, and to all of our Zoom friends. Thank you all for coming. This is day two of the Kentucky Council of the Blind Convention. Um, and so the first facilitator that we have this morning is going to be Debbie Green. So, Debbie, I will let you go ahead and introduce um, um, your person. Uh, good morning and welcome to day two. Another exciting uh, day. Lots of good information. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this today here at nine o'clock. Uh, we have a special guest. Um, the uh, ACB leadership has uh, is aware of the struggles that some of uh, us have in relation to mental health and wellness and uh, want to do something about it. So uh, a committee has been formed and is, is getting ready to roll. The, the chair of that committee is Pam Shaw. She has deep roots in leadership at the national level and is currently in Pennsylvania in leadership there. Uh, so, Pam, welcome. Good to have you. This is a real privilege and an honor to be here. KCB, congratulations on your state convention and the celebration of what it means to be part of the American Council of the Blind. And to those of you who are way out there in media land, it's good to be here with you as well. Well, Debbie Green said that the American <laughs> Council of the Blind has established a committee on mental health and wellness. What she did not say is that she is a member. One of the joys of putting this committee together, we had a lot of applications, a lot of phone calls and interest, was that we met people from all walks of life, from various states. Some people came with professional experience and others came with personal stories to tell. Some came because they were concerned about their families and their friends. But the biggest thing that I can say about everyone who applied, they came because they care. And I believe that that is one of the major tenets of our organization. In my short time with you today, what I'd like to just lay down is some principles about that, that go to why we are doing this. Why is this important? And it's not only about why this is important, but it's what we can do to keep our own mental health and to pay attention to those around us as well. The committee is new and we'll be working on do getting some things out to you and there'll be great a great number of opportunities for us to share and learn and grow together, but also to impact the world around us so that people will understand, A, that just because you're blind or you're someone with low vision does not necessarily mean that you have a mental health condition, but you have to go to the other extreme because should you be struggling with something, it can be impacted by what's going on visually. So we know that it's not just the internal discussion with the American Council of the Blind, but it's interaction with many of our partners, people who don't know us yet, but they will. And so it's just a great opportunity, and I'm very honored, and I feel very blessed to be part of it. 
Well, why can we say that mental health is important in the first place? First of all, it plays a critical role in our relationships. The link between mental health and relationships is one of the most compelling reasons that we need to be undertaking this effort in the American Council of the Blind. Mental illness may have an impact on how and why we we interact with our friends and family. And it frequently results in kind of behaviors that are unhealthy and sometimes very disruptive. And it means, therefore, that if we are to have healthy relationships, healthy interactions, we've got to deal also with our own mental health. We've got to say that we stay well and that we undertake activities that allow us in the day-to-day to take care of ourselves. So we want to pay attention to our own self-care so that when we interact with people or when we see people who are struggling, we have an awareness and a sensitivity, and frankly, we would even know what to do. The second thing is to keep in mind is that mental health affects physical health, and physical health affects mental health. Yes, there is a link between our mental health and our physical health. Mental illness can induce stress, and it has an effect on our immune system. And as a result, our body's ability to cope with the stress may be jeopardized. After all, a sick mind can lead to anxiety and sadness both of which can make it difficult to move about and just even stay active. You know that that mind-body connection is well-documented, and that's why mental health awareness is so critical. The other thing that we have to remember as we undertake this campaign is that mental health is related to emotional well-being. Every day how you feel on the inside, is just as important as how physically healthy you are. Mental health advice often demonstrates how, you know, a negative mind can make you feel down, irritated, or disturbed. And so here again, taking care of our emotional well-being can help all of us to be more productive and effective at work and at home and wherever we are. To maintain our own emotional well-being, we have to be intentional. We have to seek mental health advice when we need it from friends, family, and professionals if necessary. The other thing that we have to keep in mind is mental health awareness can help in dealing with suicide rates. The reason I'm willing to raise that and talk a lot about it outside because our suicide rates are growing. And that is whether we're talking about attempted suicide or completed suicide. And what happens sometimes and what we find in dealing with people with this is so many people, it isn't that they wanted to take their own lives, but they just wanted the hurt to go away. They wanted the pain to stop. And so they could think of no other alternative than to have happened what did happen. And so this is a serious discussion as well. 
And we have come across more and more data. It was, yes, we talked about it during the pandemic, but to be very honest with you, as someone working in the field, it was going up even before the pandemic. And there's no reason to believe that we as people who are blind and those of us who live with vision loss are not impacted. We are impacted. And then mental health is also linked to victimization. We talk about this because in some instances for us, we are the victims of various things, unfair treatment, also even in some cases violence and crime. And we believe that that there is a link between mental health, how we think about ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, how we seek help between that as well. And we want to speak to that because one of the things I can say to you that is brought to our attention that there are many people who are concerned about domestic violence. So mental health is important there as well. And it's also connected to productivity and financial stability. I think you would agree that when you're feeling good and things are going well or you're able to seek help with in those areas where you need it, that you are more productive in your work life, in your social life. And we also know that even dealing with finances can be impacted when you're struggling with issues of mental health. And the other thing is we actually do believe that mental health is also linked to societal factors. And by that, what I really mean is that as previously stated, we have already said that poor mental health can lead us to an increase in crime and violence. And isn't it interesting to note that how even children are impacted by this? Um, We find that in many cases where there is a parent who's struggling with a mental health condition, obviously you would know that the children know it too. They sense it. And frankly, in some instances, they're likely to experience it too. We know that mental health issues can lead to neglect and even sometimes abuse, um, poor results in education. And so we have to be concerned about not just this generation, but the one to come when we talk about mental health. We also can say that our mental health will affect the quality of our lives. I think you can see from the above points that we all have to take care of our mental health. As I said before, an an unhealthy mind can cause us to lose interest in the things we have enjoyed. It can cause us to not reach out and it can contribute to people not reaching to us. There's a sense of overwhelm that sometimes just makes it hard to even get out of the bed in the morning. But then it can also impact to overactivity, what some of us like to call hyperactivity. But the bottom line is when people feel hopeless, when they feel sad, when they feel worthless, when they feel guilty, well, you know, the list goes on and on. It does not contribute to a good quality of life. And there's this one thing we are about in the American Council of the Blind. It's enhancing the quality of life for people. So we've got to be involved in these mental health issues. But what I really want to say to you is that mental health awareness can help in ending stigma. Some of us already have coined a bit of a phrase that says stigma-free in ACB. We do not believe that it's good for people to be ashamed, embarrassed, 
to believe that nobody cares, no one understands. And we all have moments like that because it's okay to not be okay. And every day is not the best day in the world, but it can be better. It can be better to the extent that we are aware and we are sensitive to one another. But here, and this is my last point, and it's sort of in my mind, my favorite. Mental health awareness enables community building. The extent to which we can establish the healthy behaviors that all of us need and we can support one another in all of the challenges of issues of life, when we can celebrate with one another, when just by knowing that I am part of the ACB community, I'm not alone, and that I have friends who care and people who care, and that's why we can be here. Let's face it, KCB and the rest of the world, we really, really are better when we are together. So let's prepare to continue and to start supporting one another, being compassionate towards one another, and leaving this world a better place than the one we came into. Again, thank you, Debbie. Thank you, KCB. Thank you, ACB Media World, for allowing me these moments to share with you. And we're really excited and looking forward to the interaction. You're fortunate in KCB. I can tell you this. You can go to Debbie. Amen. That's right. Thank you so, so much. That's that's wonderful, isn't it? It's going to be um, a lot of fun. And, and again, I'm here to help in any way I can. Pam, thank you so much for, for being you. a part of this. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye. Next, we have a, a, a special um, guest. Uh, Kim Charlson is with us. Um, she is a past president of ACB and is currently the chair of the Audio Description Initiative. Um, she, uh, again, has deep roots in leadership uh, across the board, and uh, she's going to talk to us about uh, where where we have come from and, and where we're going. So, Kim, welcome. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you very much, KCB. It's wonderful to be back. Um, you know, I have... I have what I consider strong roots with KCB. Um, last Friday night, my Perkins Library Accessible Bingo shared the evening with the uh, Roundabout Bingo, and we all had a terrific time. We we do a collaborative partnership uh, bingo on Zoom once or twice a year, and we have a lot of fun. So, you know, the hard part is following Pam Shaw, because that was just the most (laughs) heartfelt, passionate um, presentation about the importance of mental health and empowering our membership. And I'm going to follow along a little bit with that theme, because I'm going to talk to you today about how to take control of an area of your life, perhaps that may be a little bit outside of your control. Um, Debbie's right. I do have a lot of hats in ACB, but I'm specifically here today to talk about accessible prescription labels and the opportunities that are out there to help all of you manage your prescription medications, to be independent in that management of your medications and not to have to rely on others telling you what you're what your needs are, what your requirements are. 
So ACB has a pretty long history in working on accessible prescription labels. And it goes back, I would say, at least a good 12 to 15 years with efforts with the government, um, working with the Access Board to establish best practices for pharmacists in handling um, prescriptions and how to make them accessible and what the essential elements are of an accessible prescription label. So we've been working in that space for quite some time. Most of our work in that area has been with the support of Lainey Feingold and Linda Dardarian through um, structured negotiation. Um, ACB has led the way. Many of our affiliates have also participated and individual members have also participated. So from 12 years ago, having very little accessible information available to us, except when we got home, or perhaps those strategies of using a rubber band on one of your bottles and maybe a peel and stick bump dot or a Velcro dot or something on the lid of another bottle to help you keep track of that. There weren't a lot of options. Of course, Braille might have been there for you. You had to do it yourself. And what if you took two prescriptions home from the pharmacist and when you get home, you don't know which is which. So having that be part of the process of getting your medications eliminates that uncertainty and that doubt of which one is this. So um, I'm going to talk really quickly about the um, some of the pharmacies that are providing some kind of accessible prescription option, and then um, reserve the rest of my time to specifically talk about the newest option that's out there on the market for CVS customers, and that is a service called Spoken RX. So first, the um, the very first um, pharmacy chain to participate in accessible prescription labels was Walmart and Sam's Club. And many of us know that we have Walmarts around the country and they all are capable of providing accessible prescription information. That would be um, Script Talk, which is a standalone speaker that we're going to talk about quite a bit today because that's a major component of accessible prescription labels where you can get audio identification for your prescription. But often Script Talk or Envision America and their system have Braille labels available or large print labels available. So the the Envision America option with Spoken RX also has an app for those of you that like to use your smart device to help you. Um, so the the common practice if your Walmart has not been providing you accessible prescription labels and that's where you've been going, you should certainly ask your pharmacist. Don't be dismayed if they say, oh, no, we don't have anything like that because that is not true. But there is a huge amount of turnover in all pharmacies. It doesn't matter which company. And sometimes the message about accessible prescription labels doesn't carry down 
to the pharmacist at a local site. So it might be necessary to communicate with Envision America and say, my Walmart isn't doing it or to contact customer service at Walmart. So, um, so again, don't be discouraged. This often can happen with any chain that you're going to reach out to. Um, I want to talk briefly about Walgreens and Rite Aid. Um, they are doing um, script talk through mail order, but not so much now with in-store access. So when I say in-store access, I want to emphasize that, you know, not all of us can plan far enough ahead to get all of our prescriptions sent to us in the mail. That's a great option. Everything can come labeled and identified and you know, you open the package, you know exactly what you got because you're either on a 90 day schedule or something like that, which is, which is great. It's often also a little more affordable to get a 90 day prescription, but we all have situations where we went to the doctor and we have a respiratory infection or we've got an infected finger and they prescribed an antibiotic and they want you to go home and start taking it. So that same day prescription, you have to go to the pharmacy, you have to pick it up at the pharmacy, and it's generally not going to come with a label. So Walgreens and Rite Aid tried um, a different approach. It was called the talking pill reminder. It was a little device that stuck on the lid of your prescription bottle, and the pharmacist recorded on the device the information about your prescription, how often to take it, when it's renewed, um, that how many prescriptions you might have left. But that's about all the space that was available on this little recording device. And we got a lot of negative feedback about talking, talking pill reminder, as it was called, because sometimes you pick up your bottle and you twist the cap to take the lid off to get your pills. And the talking pill reminder would pop off. And fly across the room and roll under your bed or whatever it was doing. It it didn't always stick. And, and then if you tried to retrieve it and stick it back on, it didn't stick very well either. So that was kind of a, you know, some of us would say a misguided direction to go. It didn't really work that well. And the sound quality of the recordings was really like, you know, you could hardly understand it. So unfortunately, Walgreens right now, and Rite Aid are doing virtually nothing for the same-day prescription market. So um, ACB is looking into this. If you have in the past used Walgreens and you wish that you could use it again, um, I would certainly like to hear from you because we are um, kind of putting together a slate of interested parties to go back to Walgreens and Rite Aid and say, you used to have an option. Maybe it wasn't the best approach, but you need to do something and we're here to help you. So that's a project that I'm working on again with Lainey and Linda um, around Walgreens and um, Rite Aid. Other corporations out there where you can get accessible prescriptions um, filled, Costco, um, CVS Caremark has a great, that's a great mail order service. 
with large print braille or audio with script talk and um, CVS Caremark, as you probably know, if you use them is, is different from CVS and I'm saving CVS for last. So um, many of you in the Kentucky area are familiar with Humana. Um, They have accessible prescriptions available to them. OptumRx, which is a mail order company again that does a lot of work with United Healthcare, has um, accessible prescription labels available. Um, so does um, the the um, well, what used to be Atnath. <laughs> um, so and um, HEB in Texas. There's a lot of smaller chains that also have accessible prescription information. And um, I have a resource document that I will be happy to share with um, Natalie, with Carla, with whoever, you know, can share it with all of you with contact phone numbers and information about um, the different options and how to reach out and connect with those options. So I'm going to jump now to talk about CVS. And I did mention that CVS uh, Caremark, which is a separate entity for our purposes today, um, does have all these different things available. And um, so I'm going to focus on the um, the CVS and Spoken RX, which you may have heard about and wondered what exactly is Spoken RX. So, um, about this, this took a quite a while again with, with C, CVS Caremark doing Braille, large print and spoken prescription labels. That was great. But what if you wanted to go in again to your local pharmacy? Um, there was no option there. And there have been some, some initiatives we put together where, you know, you could maybe get it the next day, um, through a, a program with CVS where they'd order it from one of their um, centralized locations, then they'd send your prescription to the store with labeling on it. Well, that was better than nothing, but it still didn't resolve the problem that you need to start taking the medication now because you have a critical need and, you know, what are the instructions? How do I take it? So uh, it, it was a bit of a, tough nut to crack at first. It took us about four years with working with CVS to get to a point where there was um, a same-day accessible option. So I'm going to talk about and demonstrate for you um, Spoken RX. So I'm going to have my my iPhone talk, and I think you'll be able to hear it because I have it on pretty loud. Um, SpokenRx is an app, and it is a component of the CVS Pharmacy app, which is the general app for doing all of your business with CVS using your smartphone. And this is an iPhone, um, an iOS, or an Android app. And it um, it is built in. The SpokenRx is part of the CVS Pharmacy app. So I'm going to start and... Um, Opening the app, first of all, open CVS Pharmacy. CVS, CVS Pharmacy Home, heading. 
All right. I'm assuming you can hear that okay, and I'm going to keep going. Um, Deb, Debbie can tell me messages. if it's not on red messages. It's not curable. Heading. Okay. So I'm going to look now for spoken RX. Remember that spoken RX is a component of the CVS Pharmacy app. And what I like about that is this is the same app that everybody uses. It's not a special app for the blind and low vision. It is part of the CVS Pharmacy app. Everybody uses this. Everybody's going to see Spoken RX. So it's, it's a great thing that our accessibility is up front and center in the CVS app itself. So messages. let's Button. look for Button. Spoken RX. Well, card. Button. So first we look for the pharmacy. Search products. Enter Citizart Park at home COVID-19 health dashboard. COVID-19 test schedule of COVID vaccinations flu shop pharmacy button. There we go. So there was a lot of other stuff there, but we got to pharmacy. So I'll double tap. Prescriptions heading. And now we're going to look for spoken RX by swiping to the right. You don't have any prescriptions that are available for refill. Okay. Orders heading. See all orders. Link. You don't have any recent orders. Tools and settings. See all settings. Automatic refills. But prescription schedule. But transfer a prescription. Schedule a vaccine. Financial summary. But spoken RX trademark button. There it is. So I'm going to double tap on that. I have a bottle here. And the, the CVS Spoken RX app uses an RFID sticker on the bottom of the bottle. And that's where they program the information that we're about to spoken RX trademark to, button to hear. Ready to scan. Ready to scan. Okay. Whoop, come back your bottle. Boink, boink. It made this little vibrating sound. CS, get more deep. Back button. Double tap to navigate. Spoken RX. Heading. Alert. We'd welcome your feedback. Oh, well, that's good. Your feedback will help us in- <laughs> provide feedback. But maybe later. Maybe later. That might be a good time. Later. Not in the middle of my demo. Thank you very much. Spoken RX. Okay. Prescription information. Heading. There, here we go. That's my prescription information. So I'm flicking right. Patient name, Kim Charlson. Prescription, vitamin D3 5000 unit tablet. Dosage, tablet. Corrections, take two tablets by mouth daily. Prescription number, 2286488. Discard after May 14th, 2022. Okay. This is an empty bottle, by the way, just in case you wanted to know that I wasn't taking old medicine. Pharmacy information. Then it also has the pharmacy that I got it from. Pharmacy information. Heading. Pharmacy address. 27 Main Street. Watertown. MA02472. Pharmacy phone number. 617926660. A lot of good information there. More details. Pharmacy phone number. So I can go back and review that. Um, Link. Actions available. So I'm going to, I want to go to, well, actually, the, the, um, the people at CVS just um, went to what they call Spoken RX 2.0. When we started um, a, a year and a half or so ago, we had the prescription, the name of the person, the directions, and that was about it. So th- it started out a little bit skimpy on the information, but they just rolled out version 2.0 where they added the um the information about pharmacy address you know how 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 long you know when your prescription expires pharmacy phone the the number for your prescription so you could reorder it yourself and the um pharmacy address phone number information so the next rollout will have um that more information 
section will be activated on the app only. And the, it will tell you more about um, more about the prescription, any kind of side effects from the prescription, cautions, sometimes, um, you know, information that you need to know, like it's not advised to take this medication with grapefruit juice. You know, you see that often on prescriptions for things. So um, that is basically how the the app works um some people have said you know it's it's hard to get to the spoken rx because you have to go to the pharmacy part then you flick forward but it isn't it isn't too bad and i really think that the um the fact that it is part of the mainstream app for me is a real plus now um what if you're not a smartphone user and there are a lot of people out there who don't have the technology. So CVS realized that. And with our advocacy saying there are people who don't have smartphone technology or who are not comfortable using it or are unable to use it for whatever reason, we need to have a standalone speaker that can read the prescription. So I have that speaker as well. Um, some people like to use both because the speaker doesn't give you as much information as the app can provide. This, the speaker basically gives you the basics. So I'm going to turn it on. And if you've used Script Talk speaker, it's identical to that, but this is a spoken RX CVS specific version of the speaker. And so if you, if you use other pharmacy services um, besides CVS, um, this speaker will work for both. However, the Envision America standard speaker device that reads Walmart or other prescriptions will not read the CVS Spoken RX. So all you have to do if you want to use CVS and Spoken RX technology is contact Envision America or your CVS pharmacist and indicate that you would like to get the standalone speaker. And they can arrange to send it to your store or even send it directly to your home if you'd like. And, um, and then you can return the other unit to Envision America and they can use it or reprogram it. So the, the CVS um, speaker does have branding for CVS spoken RX on it. And um, I'm going to turn it on now so you can hear it. It's beeping. Spoken RX ready. All right. I'm putting my bottle on top of it and I'm pushing the button. Patient Kim Charlson. Medication, vitamin D3-5, 000 unit tablet. Instructions, take two tablets by mouth daily. Instructions. So now I'm going to arrow to the right to go through the aspects. So take two tablets. Instructions, take two tablet. Medication. Medication. Patient. Kim, patient. Kim so Carlson. basically this label and this device right now will tell you those things. I believe that um, if you got a spoken RX prescription with the RFID sticker on it today, it would also tell you um, the some of the information that was on the app as well. 
Um, it will not be able to do the, the more detailed information, which will be in the next version of the app, because this device is not connected to the internet. The app itself is going to get that additional information from the CVS interface with, um, with the app. And it will get you all that side effects information and that kind of thing. But the speaker is a little more limited in what it can tell you, but it does it quickly. It does it with just the on-off button and the three buttons on the top of the speaker. And that, you know, is a lot simpler, a lot easier for some folks to manage. So um, before my time is up, I wanted to certainly open it up and answer any questions that you all might have about SpokenRx or getting connected with CVS, or even if you've tried to get connected with CVS and you've had pharmacists say, well, we don't have anything like that. Um, I urge you to reach out to me because I'm sort of the liaison between ACB and CVS, and I've helped a lot of members get their pharmacies up and running. Um you know, I don't, I don't follow the pharmacist. CVS did a lot of training. Um, they send out a lot of information, but you've probably been in a pharmacy in the last two years. They are very busy people. They're filling prescriptions. They're ringing things up at the register. They're giving vaccines. They're, they're doing a lot. And sometimes they just don't remember that they had a memo six months ago about this new product for blind and low vision patients. So we need to give them a little reminder and the staff at CVS are super good about reaching out and working with the pharmacy to get them up to speed. Sometimes they don't know where the equipment went. They can't find it. So CVS headquarters will send them more equipment, get them supplied with the stickers, make sure they know how to do it and get them up and running. So just because someone told you no, don't believe them, contact me and I'll give my information at the very end um, after I take a couple questions, which I'm hoping there might be a few. And Kim, I have a question since I have good. the power. That oh. sounds good. <laughs> um, does Express Scripts have any type of accessible, because we have to use it for work. So does yes. Express Scripts have any type of accessible anything? Yes, Express Scripts does provide Braille labeling. Um and I think they I use Script Talk as well. So um, I'd be happy to send you my handout and there's a contact number in there so that, and then you will be able to share it with everybody else as well too. So I'll make sure you guys get my handout. It's got contact information for all the pharmacies that are providing the information. So the resource section is at the end of the handout. Um, I did this a few years ago. So I talk a little bit about each service it has a paragraph or two, and then at the end are resources, which are the contact numbers for the different companies. So again, you can download the app from the App Store, or the Google Play Store um, for CVS Pharmacy um, and get that set up. It's got a really neat feature. If you have a smart ID, like a real ID, which a lot of people have these days, when you're setting up your account initially, you have to put in your name and your address because you have to link to their system. So if you have your smart ID handy, I was able to put my smart ID up to my phone's camera and it must have scanned some kind of a barcode on that ID 
and it filled in, I would say, 90% of the fields in the setup app, you know, name, address, phone number. Um, so I didn't have to type very much in, which is one of my despised things to do. This is Bill Wright. Um, can the CBS, RX, and the Strip Talk um, no. both be on one device? Yes, but it needs to be the CVS script talk device, not just the script talk device. So what you have to do is contact Envision America or ask your pharmacist um, to order you the standalone speaker for Spoken RX, and you will get that device sent to you free of charge. Um, then you should return the other one you were using previously to Envision America. Because the new one that will do CVS spoken RX prescription labels, as well as script talk labels. So it will do both. So the original does not do CVS, but the CVS does spoken RX and script talk. Kim, this is Carla. Uh-huh. Um, I just wanted to um, let people know there are a few Kroger's in Kentucky that are listed as having script talk but not many and so i called down to the kroger's where we get our prescriptions and i asked if they had them and they said no uh a little bit later um oh i don't know a few days couple weeks i got a call from that pharmacy and she said that she had found out that kroger was testing uh you know the response that they would get to having script talk and um, they must have contacted a new pharmacist down here where we get ours because they said that uh, they didn't have too many blind people that came into that Kroger. And <laughs> hmm. that, that just couldn't, couldn't be. It's right in the middle of the Clifton area. Mm-hmm. And so um, anyway, if anyone is interested in urging Kroger, um, and, and not just in this area, but as I understood it, it was coming out of their corporate area um, the, at the corporate level. If anybody's interested, we need to speak up and let them know. So, um, you know, I think we should begin calling our pharmacies and requesting. Uh, Absolutely. Our recipients. And that's not just here. Yeah. They're based in Cincinnati. So, well, Kroger's has a pretty wide footprint and they also, you know, cover other sub brands under their label from Fred Meyer in the Pacific Northwest. I'm sure there's others that I'm not aware of, but um, I wasn't aware of Kroger showing some interest. So I 100% agree with Carla that, um, that we, you know, we do need to speak out. And I think, you know, ACB needs to speak out as well on behalf of our members. So I will take that information back and um, perhaps be in touch with you as well, Carla, so we can, you know, get a little more coordinated advocacy pointed at Kroger's to show that there is a need for this. Yeah. So um, I will share my contact information so that any of you can reach out if you're having trouble with your CVS, you need a little intervention, I will be able to help connect you with the pharmacy team that does this at, at CVS headquarters. So it's Kim Charlson and email is probably the best way to reach me. And I 
have, I'm going to give you my ACB email address. It's all one word, Kim Charlson, K-I-M-C-H-A-R-L-S-O-N at acb.org. And my cell number is 617-501-5752. And when you reach out to tell me if you need help because your CVS isn't responding, telling you there's no such program, um, it would be hugely helpful if you tell me the address of your CVS location, because that'll allow the CVS team to pinpoint right to the right to the mark where they need to go and who they need to talk to to get things moving. So I'm happy to help. And really appreciate the opportunity to talk to all of you and share this really important information on how we all can manage our own prescriptions in a, in an empowered and enabling way to be independent. And that's really what it's all about. So thanks so much for the opportunity to be here today. Sure. Thank you, Kim. That is huge. It's really important. And uh, you laid it out well. Thanks for uh, being available for us as well. So um, I'm going to introduce Brian Ward from the Helen Keller Center, um, and he is going to talk about communications for the um, vision impaired community and or combined vision impaired and hard of hearing. Um, so Brian is from Sands Point, New York. Um, so I will hand it over to Brian and the time is yours. Hello, good morning, everyone. My name is Brian Ward. I'm here signing and I I am deafblind. I have an interpreter here, Tony, who's speaking for me. I would also like to introduce my coworker. I'm gonna hand the microphone over. Good morning, everyone. My name is Robert McLendon. I represent the Helen Keller National Center uh, here in Kentucky. I'm an Alabama boy, moved here about a month and a half ago, month and a half ago, go Wildcats. Um, but anyway, happy to be here to talk about services for Helen Keller National Center. Thank you, Robert. So I want to describe a little bit about ICC and other services that we provide through the state of Kentucky from Helen Keller National Center. So I'm going to expand more about what ICC does. I'm the coordinator for the state of Kentucky. I'm from New York, but I work for ICC in New York and Kentucky. So ICC stands for I Can Connect, and it's a national deafblind equipment distribution program. The program provides free services, telecommunication services, and training for people who have combined vision and hearing loss, or also known as deafblind. The goal is to help deafblind people have equal access to communication, to be able to contact friends and family, peers, anything related to technology to keep you in communication. This could include a computer, a tablet, a phone, a braille display, many different equipment that can help support people staying in contact with the world. The program itself is free services. There's only two requirements to qualify for the services. One is proof of both combined vision and hearing loss. 
uh, called estation. So you would have a written uh, letter to prove that you have uh, that you are deafblind, some sort of medical note or a VR counselor, someone from a school could write this note and prove that you have a combined vision and hearing loss. The second qualification is uh, proof of your income. Uh, ways that we can know that you would definitely qualify is if you have um, SDI, Social Security, food stamps. Medicare, if you have any of those things, you will automatically qualify for the services for the financial aspect. There, um, If you have a, other types of income, we can work with you and figure out to see if you qualify for these services. The process is pretty simple. You just need to fill out an application. It's about seven to eight pages. It has a bit of a description of the program. If you need to use it with a braille display, that can be done. So that would be filled out, and then it would sent to, to the Kentucky ICC office. It will be reviewed, and once we review and make sure that you qualify for the services, then we will contact you to schedule for an assessment to meet with you in person, which is the fun part because you get to test out all the different technology and see you know, what you like, what you think is gonna match your communication needs, whether it's a braille display, a phone, a laptop, all different types of equipment. We decide what matches you best. I order the equipment, collect it all, and then bring it to you and we start training if necessary. And we continue to work to make sure that you have communication access. Again, the program itself is free for people with combined vision and hearing loss. So if you feel that this matches you and that you would qualify for the program, please come and see me later. I'll have a booth upstairs on the second floor at 11 o'clock and we can discuss and have answer any questions that you may have, as well as Robert will um, be there to answer other questions for our services. Hello again. Um, again, my name is Robert McLendon. I'm the uh, what's called uh, the deaf blind employment specialist for the state of Kentucky. Um, I can assist individuals who are deaf blind looking for work in the state of Kentucky. Um, I also work closely with Brian as far as technical assistance for technology. I am the boots on the ground, so to speak, uh, for Helen Keller National Center. Um, I, I help again. Um, I'm a deafblind employment specialist, which is the focus is basically work based. But uh, if anybody is familiar with the uh, and other duties as a science segment on your job description, I spend about 90 percent of my time doing stuff like that. So, um, again, anything that's essentially related to deafblind services in the state of Kentucky, um, I, I assist with uh, as far as the attestation for the um, ICC uh, application, I can assist you with that. If we have uh, kind of built a relationship, um, I can assist with that. I can also be a source uh, for that application as well. So, again, I will be at the table upstairs with Brian shortly. And if you have any questions about employment services uh, for DeafBlind in the state of Kentucky, I will be at that table later this morning. Um, on behalf of Brian and myself, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know we did not use our full allotment of time, but um, please feel free to come up and see us uh, after the presentation. Thank you. So if anybody has any questions, please feel free to ask us. Um, do you have, have uh, 
I'm sure you do. Requirements, um, you know, vision and hearing uh, requirements that people meet in order to be eligible for your program? So that's a good question. So we follow HKNC's ACT law, which has a definition of a label of what deafblind is considered. So for the visual part, we require people to have at least 2200 for in your best eye. 20-200 for your best eye. Now for the hearing aspect, we require you to have moderate hearing loss in both ears. So that's the general description. There's also different um, visual illnesses that count, such as ushers, diabetes, glaucoma, macular degeneration. There's a big list of different illnesses that we would accept as qualifications. I'm not real familiar with all the designations for hearing loss, so, uh, but this would seem to me that it could be a real resource for a lot of people uh, in, our, in our community. So, um, you know, any information on the amount of that hearing loss, what, what constitutes moderate hearing loss? This is Robert. Um, mm-hmm. You seniors that are in the room, and I'm closing in on that so myself, um, we, a large population that is deaf blind, considered deaf blind is seniors. And um, you may qualify. Um, it doesn't hurt to get your hearing checked. Um, but, it, you know, you low vision seniors that, that are lo- losing your hearing, you qualify, you can't qualify as deaf blind. Um, and again, there are some benefits to that. I know that's kind of frightening sometimes to have that designation, but because of ICC, it's a fairly funded program. And if you qualify, you can get free technology. And who doesn't like free? So, uh, <laughs> and who so, doesn't so like again, technology? if you check, get your hearing checked. And if you qualify, you, you're eligible to receive that free technology. Is there a financial form that's filled out for the eligibility as well? This is Brian speaking. Yes, that's a good question. So the application has a clear description about the finances. I um, So what you, the form will require is a copy of a f- proof of your income. So um, a Social Security award letter would be an example. Um, if you apply for taxes, your tax income, your tax report would count a copy of that. And again, Robert is here. To, if you're struggling making copies or filling out that part of the form, um, he's here to help with that process so make it less stressful. So uh, we're here to help figure that out and get your application in for you. And if people um, can't uh, get that or don't have that information to fill that form out today, can they, um, you know, can they contact you? And um, can that process be done like on the phone or um, does it need to be done in person? You know, what? how does that work? Good question. So um, it could be finished in person or on your own time. So if you're interested, I can email you a copy or mail you a copy of the form, whichever you prefer. 
and you could fill it out. And then again, if you're struggling to fill it out, myself or Robert could help you fill that out in person through the phone call or whatever support you may need to fill it out and finalize that form. Again, the form is very simple. You just need those copies of your proof of income as well as uh, your combined vision and hearing loss. And we are here to support that filling out those forms. My question is, uh, are you the contact person here locally if I need to ask a question or more, more information? You did state blindness and hearing both of the elements, right? Would you be the person I would contact to find out more about that, the qualifications, income status, form employment? Are you the person that I would contact to give me that information to seek further help? So this is a good question. This is Brian speaking. So I myself am from New York and Robert is a good contact person here in Kentucky to be able to help you and assist in the process. I can contact through email and through phone conversation. Uh, so either one of us can help. But if you would like in person, Robert is here in Kentucky. So thank you for this presentation. My name's Paul Edwards and I am a visitor from Florida. But my question um is just to clarify who qualifies a little bit more. It's my understanding, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that anyone who is on Medicare um, almost automatically qualifies for the program. Is that correct? This is Brian speaking. For Medicare, that part is not an automatic qualification. An automatic qualification would be Medicaid. But if you uh, do not have Medicaid and you only have Medicare, that's fine. We just um, have to see the rest of your income and see what your income max is. It depends on who lives in your home. And there's a, a chart that we can cross-reference to see um, how many people are in your home versus uh, what the full income of your household is. Um, and each state has this program and they are each run by different agencies. So Kentucky is run by the Helen Keller National Center. And good news for Florida that it is also run by Helen Keller National Center. So if you have any questions about Florida, you can also ask me that as well. Could we get Robert's contact information? Yes, I'll be happy to present uh, provide that with you guys. Unfortunately, I don't have Braille or, um, but I can give it to you um, over the phone. I have my phone with me. So, could you just say it? My last name is McLendon, M C L E N D O N. It is 516-243-5083. And my email address, if you prefer that, is um, R, the letter R, McLendon, M C. L-E-N-D-O-N at Helen, H-E-L-E-N, Keller, K-E-L-L-E-R dot O-R-G. And like I said, I'm, I'm boots on the ground in Kentucky. I'm more than happy to provide any assistance you need with the application. I have assisted filling it out over the phone. So if that's how you prefer and some folks aren't tech savvy, um, I'm more than happy to assist in any way that I can. All right. Um, thank you for your presentation today. I just had an eligibility clarifying question again. For the hearing loss piece, 
I understand it has to be moderate to severe hearing loss. Does it have to be bilateral hearing loss with even with correction? That that's a good question. Um, there there is as far as some of the I think the, as corrected is is not doesn't ma- it really doesn't matter if it's corrected Freaky. as long as you have it because folks that you know that that's not a big deal. Um, again, there, and there are also, like Brian said earlier, there's a lot of underlying conditions. If you have Usher or Charge or there's over a hundred different etiologies for deaf blindness. So if you say you have Charge, but you don't have, your hearing is not severe to moderate, you still qualify as deaf blind. So that would still qualify you, but that doesn't mean that you're not ever not going to, you know, have that hearing loss, but you still qualify as deaf blind because you have that etiology. So it, it's not always clear cut. Um, and we have a system, um, HKNC has a long history of being able to screen individuals and, and that's not going to be an issue. You just get with me afterwards. What's your name? Oh, for as for, okay. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, um, Brian, Brian, can you answer that one if it has to be bilateral? So this is Brian speaking. For the law perspective, it has to be both ears. However, um, it's important to speak with an audiologist and have them label your hearing loss to see if you qualify for the services. The audiologist um, would be able to have the specific label for hearing loss that can then qualify you. Do you have to have amount of the income? Because a lot of things you apply for, you have the income. If you make too much, then you can't get the service. So does y'all apply to that, how much you make? This is Brian speaking, right. So if your income level is higher than the requirement, then you do not qualify for the services. However, you could always check within the next year if your income changes. Um, we know that income changes yearly for you know whatever reason. So we would like to work with you and figure out how to make you qualify. If you feel stuck and it's not working, we can always work with you to check if there are other services that would be um, applicable to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What I was said the when you apply for it, you can tell how much you had, uh, how much you make, or it's too much, or whatever. You can tell the how much it is. Yeah, you know, how much it is like for one family or of one person, or whatever. Is there a minimum? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. If. if- I mean, for those that are super curious, there's an I Can Connect website. Uh, it's iCanConnect.org, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Brian. But uh, there's a chart, and it's different for each state. So um, that that that's why you can't just say there's a limit. I mean, each right. state has a different has a different uh, requirement. So if you're interested, there's a chart. Yeah. I don't know how user friendly it is, uh, but there's a chart on the website. Uh, that you can check if you're if you're you know really want to know up front. This is Adam. Our office for vocational rehabilitation, uh, which is a merged agency for all disabilities, and under that our services for the blind uh, has a person, uh, Tanya Gatton, who is supposed to work with uh, deaf blind. And I was wondering if you all do work with her or you know, have some connection. Uh, this is Robert. Yes, I work with Tanya a lot. So uh, she and I have a pretty good working relationship. And I know Brian meets 
meets with her periodically as well, uh, you know. But like I said, I'm the boots on the ground, so I really deal with her regularly. So um, she's she's a wonderful uh, young lady. So okay, um, so I want to thank um, Brian and Robert um, and Tony for her interpretation. And um, you can go ahead and um, well at eleven p uh, eleven a.m. You will be able to um, meet with them in the majestic marketplace um, if you would like to have more um, in-depth discussion with them. And I'm sorry, Brian just wanted to add one last comment. I just wanted to take the opportunity while I have you all here to let you know that um, if you're interested at all, please take the opportunity to come speak with me today. The services are really a wonderful opportunity, and I really hope to speak with you all soon.